and from Waldo County Bounty, hosting a benefit concert featuring two bands fronted by Maine songwriters, Sarah Trunzo and Friends, and Seth Gallant and Rough Son on Saturday, December 9th at Starboard Lounge, 25 East Main Street in Searsport. All proceeds will go toward Waldo County Bounty's Food Access Mission. Doors open at 6, music starts at 6.30. Food and drink will be available for purchases. Information and tickets are at saratrunzo.com or waldocountybounty.org. You're listening to WER. And you are listening to WERU Community Radio, 89.9 FM in Blue Hill, streaming around the world at WERU.org and on our smartphone app. Listener supported, volunteer powered, a voice of many voices. Stay tuned for a live show of Maine Currents. and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown, and today we're doing what we hope will be a special live call-in show. We've got the live part right, but the phones are having some issues, so we're going to be working on those and hope to open them up in a few minutes once we get things squared away. But that's okay, because we have folks here in the studio with us who are, have been involved in protesting Israel's actions in Gaza. I want to have them introduce themselves before we take phone calls anyway, and Abdullah, I believe you were going to go first. Yeah, uh, salamu alaikum. Uh, that's our greeting, say, and peace be on you. Uh, my name is Abdullah Al-Fadilat. I'm a Palestinian, Jordanian-American. Uh, I came to this country about 35 years ago. I married to a wonderful lady from the Penobscot Nation, and I'm blessed with three kids. Um, I stand for uh, peaceful coexistence for all who wants to live in peace in the Holy Land. Uh, that's is how we've lived for hundreds of years before the 1948 and before the events of the last hundred years or so that affected the uh, that land that's called Palestine sometimes and it's called Holy Land and it's called Israel some other times. Uh, I believe in dialogue. And <coughs> I believe in the exchange of ideas. And this is the only way forward if we listen to each other, if we have a good conversation each person can present their points and points of view, and the other person can present theirs as well. And uh, without this dialogue, we will be all living in our small little worlds without any interaction with the people around us. So hopefully uh, we will be hearing from a lot of people and we will have a lively, uh, healthy, civilized conversation. Thank you. Jamila. Thanks for having us on, Amy. My name is Jamila Lavasser. I'm a person of Jewish descent. Some of my family fled to Palestine in 1939 as refugees fleeing for their lives. In 1948, six years after my great-grandparents were murdered in a gas chamber in Poland, the State of Israel was created and drove 750,000 Palestinians from their homes, <coughs> excuse me, turning them into refugees running for their lives. I believe what Israel is doing now is genocide, and genocide is not self-defense. When people call for Israel's right to exist, they say nothing about Palestinians' right to, list, to exist. There cannot be an exclusively Jewish state without destroying the freedom and lives of everyone who's not Jewish. It's not anti-Semitic to criticize Israel. It's basic human decency. This crisis didn't start on October 7th. What we're calling for is a permanent ceasefire and an end to the siege that blocks water, fuel, electricity, food, and medicine from getting into Gaza. But we're calling for much more than that. We're calling for an end to the occupation and an end to Israeli presence in Gaza, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem, including the removal of illegal Israeli settlements. We want an end to U.S. military aid to Israel, freedom for all Palestinians held in Israeli prisons, equal rights for Palestinians, and an end to apartheid. 
We want Palestinians to have the right to return to their 1948 homes and self-determination for Palestinians. And we support the Palestinians' call for us to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel until these demands are met. Thanks, Jamila. Larry. Hi, good to be here. Thank you, Amy, for inviting all three of us. I'm Larry Danzinger. I live in Bangor. Um, I, too, grew up Jewish. Well, actually, I'm not sure how much Jamila grew up Jewish, but I did grow up Jewish. I had a bar mitzvah. I uh, was somewhat religious for a while, and then at some point I decided that Judaism as a religion was not going to work for me. But I still see myself very much as culturally Jewish. Um, I also have lost a number of relatives in the Holocaust. I have a nephew who lives in a kibbutz in Israel right now. He and his family are there, and one of his daughters, at least, is in the Israeli Defense Forces, fortunately, I think, uh, in the Navy. So I'm hoping that that person will be relatively safe and not as much of a potential perpetrator as some of the other people in the Israeli Defense Forces are. Um, I share much of what Jamila and Abdullah have said. Uh, I'm also uh, concerned about um, what I would say is the role of the U.S. in this whole situation. Um, right now, the United States is sending weapons to Israel. Um, it's not what, doing what I would hope it would do, which nobody seems to be talking about, and that's simply uh, applying a justice system to uh, the people who have committed crimes or killed people on both sides in this situation. So I'm hoping that we can maybe address that a little bit as well. Nobody seems to be talking about that. And finally, uh, if my voice is familiar, some people may have heard me on Tuesday mornings, including this Tuesday morning, although I was talking about something completely different, but I have done commentaries for outside-the-box features Tuesday mornings at 8.30. So. Right. And when people who, are, who host another program are on my program or somebody <laughs> else's program, they are there as a you know, individual as themselves representing their own opinions. They're not right. representing the station. But, yeah, for full disclosure, people probably do recognize Larry's voice. What has been happening? I know, Jamila, you were arrested at the Bangor office of uh, Jerry Golden a few weeks ago. That's right. Can you say a little bit about uh, what happened there and why? There were seven of us who entered Jared Golden's office in Bangor around 3 p.m. to deliver a statement demanding that Jared Golden and our other congressional representatives sign onto the demand for a ceasefire and also stop supporting military aid to Israel. We were welcomed into the office and spent two hours there until it closed, educating the staff to the best of our abilities. Uh, at 5 o'clock, we refused to leave, as we had stated that we would do, and we were arrested and charged with misdemeanor criminal trespass. We have a court date on January 10th for an arraignment. So is the goal with that still to try to get Golden to respond and have a meeting, or is it more just to raise awareness, or both? It's mostly to raise awareness. I honestly don't believe that Jared Golden would meet with us. He's ignored anyone else who's attempted to speak with him, talk with him. People have been calling his office daily, all his four offices. And no, he is he's funded by APAC. He gets a lot of money from the Israeli American Israeli lobby. He's I think Jared Golden is much more interested in continuing with his political career than really being educated on what's going on in Palestine. Hmm. So, yeah, our our goal is to educate the public, and we hope to get a good turnout when we come to court on January 10th and continue to spread the awareness. Where is court up in Bangor? Yeah. Or? Okay. We'll uh, give an update on that before it happens, have one of you on to talk about that sure. on Around Town if possible. Uh, 
a lot of similarities to what was happening post 9-11 before the invasion of Iraq with the occupying the offices of the uh, representatives and senators up in Bangor and them not listening. Uh, I've never heard anybody who was in office back then when people were sitting in on Susan Collins and Olympia Snow's offices ever say, you know what, if we just listened to those protesters, they actually were right. You know, there was never a moment if I told you so once it seemed to become just everybody accepted that the premises for getting into that war were false. There was never really any any discussion of that. And now it seems very similar what's happening this time. Abdullah, Larry, uh, what else has been happening in the state with people who are calling for a ceasefire? We've been trying to reach out to uh, decision makers in the government of the United States, and uh, uh, um, I received back some uh, feedback from Susan Collins' office, and I talked to Jared Golden's office multiple times. And the the letters that I received back from both of their offices is just like has been mentioned, is just the APAC uh, talking points. Uh, exactly what you hear from any other politician who's been who's been who's been paid by the APAC to promote the points of view that they are promoting. Uh, unfortunate, uh, because I at one point I thought uh, Jared Golden was somebody who stood for principle, especially after he came up. He came out saying that he's against against uh, uh, a rifles rifles after the events assault of the Lewiston. Yeah. yeah, the assault rifle, uh, and that he he changed position on it just because he realized how wrong he was on taking the first the the, the point of view of the NRA on that issue. And I was hoping that he would he would come to his senses and study the matter more instead of taking just $300,000 from the APAC and just take their point of view literally. It, I mean, both letters are just mirror image of each other, uh, presenting just the point of view that the APAC wants you to be presented with. Unfortunate. Hmm. Larry, anything to add to that? Uh, I would say that most of the activities are uh, awareness raising in the state of Maine right now that that makes the most sense anyways, just to simply uh, demonstrate over and over again that a lot of the public, um, for example, a lot of the public, certainly more than half, supports a, a ceasefire right now. The other thing that I think is important is what should our country be doing about this situation? And we're not, we're, unfortunately, we're taking sides. We're not taking the sides of saving lives, we're taking the sides of what the Israeli government is doing. And the Israeli government is really killing a lot of people that it should not simply not be doing. Um, one of the things that I'm working on is a reading of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in Bangor, both on Sunday at 1 o'clock and, and Monday at noon, and also reading it on Monday in congressional offices to demonstrate that we really need to focus on human rights and not on uh, supporting a particular uh, regime or government, that we shouldn't be doing that. We should be focusing on saving lives. All right. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. This is meant to be a call-in show, but so far we have not had luck getting the phones up and running, but we do have people working on it. In the meantime, though, I have my phone in here, so if – and I'm not telling you to call here. If you know my number, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you want to uh, send a message via email – to news at weru.org. I'll read your questions on the air. And just I'll say it now, and I'll repeat it again once we do open up the phone lines, if we're able to. There will be absolutely no hate, hate speech, no name calling, uh, no anti-Semitism, and also no anti-Palestinian uh, sentiment expressed. We're going to talk about what the government actions are and you know how that's playing out. So if you send me uh, an email as well, uh, please avoid that kind of language. So again, news at weru.org. And let's talk about this a little bit, this notion. You've brought it up. Uh, I think a few of you have mentioned the messaging that if you are opposed to what the Israeli government is doing, 
that you are anti-Semitic. And I remember that the Anti-Defamation League, I remember I was surprised to hear years ago that they were calling the um, boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement anti-Semitic as well. So is it really, is it that, what do you make of that? I have a couple of theories, but before I put them out there, what do you think? Uh, well, I describe myself as pro-Palestinian and pro-Jewish and distinguish between Jewish, Judaism, and the Israeli government. Is that working for you? Are people like stopping that message because you came up with a very simple solution or answer to it? or I mean, that um, doesn't seem to be stopping that messaging. Are you hearing that from people? Have you had anybody respond to any of the events that you've done saying, you know, how can you be anti-Semitic in this time when that's like such a big problem in the country and around the world? Well, not enough people know who I am to care about that description. But I think it's an appropriate description to use for anybody who feels that describes them. Mm. I heard somebody say Israel is not a Jew. Israel is a state. Mm. And yes, I am going to continue criticizing Israel because Israel was founded on Zionism, which is... The whole premise of Zionism is that we as Jews have a superiority to other people and that Israel needs to be an exclusively Jewish state. I feel like any exclusively anything state is inherently going to be subjugating somebody else, trying to eliminate somebody else. The only way to have an exclusively Jewish state is to eliminate Palestinians, and that's completely wrong. So I'm totally opposed to Zionism, and I'm opposed to Israel as a Zionist state. That does not make me anti-Semitic. Abdullah, do you want to weigh in on that? And also, uh, you know, your perspective as somebody of Palestinian descent of how this messaging is itself part of the, uh, possibly part of the, um, the move. Like it, it's, I think it started with all of the mainstream media early on, as soon as this started, that people were talking about, you know, you're being anti-Semitic. And that really, I think, tugged at the heartstrings of a lot of people who really did not want to, you know, be that, obviously. And we know what a danger it is right now. It's a real serious problem. There are truly anti-Semitic people out there who are, you know, very frightening. So what about the messaging? What, what's your impression as somebody uh, with your background of how the messaging is being used to promote what's happening over there? I think, I think people need to be clear about the difference between Zionism and Judaism. If, if we get to the point where people understand that Zionism starting in the 1880s, 1890s, started as a nationalistic movement and hijacked the religion of, Jude of, of Judaism to just as a cover for them, for their, all, for their own agenda, which was creating a nationalistic government in the land of Palestine for the Jews. None of the people who actually started Zionism were actually religious Jews. Theodor Herzl was not a Jew. Golda Meir was not, a, was, not, was not a religious Jew. Golda Meir never, never said that she was a religious Jew. Ben-Gurion was never a religious person. Benjamin Netanyahu is not a religious person. He's a very nationalistic person. And that's why, they, why, that's why they're hijacking Judaism for the sake of their own political interests. Unfortunately, again, until people start realizing the difference between Zionism and Judaism, we will always be slapped with different labels on people. And what's the purpose of labeling somebody? It's basically, basically to shut them up. That, that's the whole purpose of saying to somebody, you're so-and-so. That means it's the end of the discussion. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to reason with what you're saying. So labeling, labeling somebody usually is... Is, is the end result of enclosure. People just enclose themselves with a wall that they don't want to have any different point of view presented to them. Last night I was listening to Jerry Nadler, who's a Jew from Bra Brooklyn, 
representing a lot of Jewish community from Brooklyn. And he was talking about how this, the Congress wants to pass the law that anti-Zionism is equal to anti-Semitic. And he said that I have a lot of Jews who, are, who I'm, I'm representing from my district who would strongly stand against this because they are anti-Zionist. They don't want this occupation in Palestine, but they're Jewish. They're not, they're not being anti-Semitic just because they're saying they're anti-Zionist. And again, it's all in the education. If people realize the difference between Zionism and Judaism, we would be in a whole lot better place. We have a uh, question from a listener Let me uh, that came by email to news at weru.org. So if you'd like to send in a question or a comment, you can do that as well. Uh, this uh, bill asks, do you think that Netanyahu truly had no advance notice of the Hamas uprising that occurred on October 7th? Now, we know that they knew about the tunnels and that they ignored the Israeli women who were out there as part of the army saying that something was happening. But uh, do you think that he really knew what was happening and let it happen, I think might be what this is implying, so that they could have the response that they did? Or you, Abdullah, you're gonna, you're, everybody's say, pointing at Abdullah. We should have a camera <laughs> in here. <laughs> okay, I would say Netanyahu had written a book about 10 years ago for his the future of, of, of the land of Israel as he sees it. He, I think, took advantage of the situation that happened on October the 7th. Whether he knew about it or not, the end result is the same to him. It just gave him an excuse to continue with the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from the West Bank and Gaza. They, they told the Gazans to move from northern Gaza because they wanted to destroy Hamas in northern Gaza and move to the south. Well, now they're bombing Khan Yunus, which is in the southern part of Gaza. And they're telling people to move down to Rafah, which is at the border of the Egyptian, the Egyptian um, Sinai Desert. So the idea, the idea is to keep pushing people out until they are forced onto the Egyptians to take them in. And the same thing they, want, they have been doing for the last 30 years in the West Bank. Since the peace process started, more and more land has been confiscated of the Palestinians in the West Bank. Settlements keep getting bigger, and the Palestinian land keeps getting smaller. Villages being, being, being depopulated. People being, being squeezed into small, little, small, little dots on the map. If you look at the loss of Palestinian land since 1946, 1946 until now, it just looks like, like a piece of Swiss cheese. There is nothing left of the West Bank. There is nothing left for the Palestinians to... To look, to look forward to, to live for. And that's, again, he took advantage of it. Whether it was planned or not, we will, we'll find out down the road in a few years when the, when the intelligence reporting starts coming up. But it, he just took an advantage of it. And according to his plan, this was all planned for, whether there was an October 7 or not. Eventually, the goal is to depopulate Gaza and to depopulate the West Bank completely of the Palestinian people. So this just sped the process up. But given I agree on that. Mm -hmm. What do you all think about Gaza, though? I mean, obviously, uh, I don't think anybody's denying that what they did was also terrorism, right? Hamas. You mean. Hamas, yeah, sorry. What is, what is their role there? Do you uh, equally speak out against them at your protests? I don't condone the killing of civilians in any situation. However, you have to look at what's going on in context. And when there's occupation, there's always going to be resistance. Palestinians have tried all forms of resistance. They've tried many nonviolent forms of resistance. Look at, and everything they have done, Israel meets them with massive violence. Look at the great march of 2018, when Palestinians were lined up on the wall where they were imprisoned inside Gaza, which Gaza is an open-air prison. They were lined up against the wall, and the Israelis started shooting at them. They killed over 200 Palestinians, including at least 50 children. They wounded over 30,000 more. And that was a peaceful protest on the part of the Palestinians. So 
there's always going to be resistance when there's occupation. And you have to look at, does, Israel doesn't have the moral advantage here. Israel has created such carnage over so many years and is so, is so well endowed with lethal weapons that there is no, there's just no comparison. As, as long as Israel is going to maintain this apartheid state and this occupation, I support the Palestinians' right to resist in any way they can, and that armed struggle is included in what's allowed under international law that's well recognized over the years. Larry, you want to weigh in on that? And, uh, and I am told, well, you go ahead and weigh in, and then I'll okay. I have a I, I think uh, what Hamas did was a bad strategy. Um, they've had intifadas that, as Jamil said, were nonviolent, that were much more effective in building support for Palestinians. Um, on the other hand, I just think that you know uh, Israel's attempt to solve the problem is is a much worse strategy uh, than what Hamas did as well. So I I just think that's not going to work. Um, whether Hamas disappears or not, there's going to be resistance as there has been since 1948. And the Israeli government just needs to figure out a, a way to provide security and safety for its own people in a different way because when you oppress other people, you, you just destroy whatever safety and security you have. And that's why I'm so concerned about my nephew there because I know my nephew is not going to feel safe and secure probably for the rest of his life living in Israel. Can I just jump in? Oh, uh, wait, no, no, hold on just a second, please. I would just want to let listeners know that the phone lines are uh, working again. So if you want to give a call and ask a question or make a comment, you can call 207-618-8819. Again, that's in the 207 area code 618-8819. You can ask Jamila, or Dula, and Larry questions or make a comment if you want, but there's no swearing, any swearing or any hate speech type language. We're just going to end the phone call. And I do have another email here from Lisa Savage, but I'm going to wait and see if Lisa calls in. If she doesn't, I'll try to get back to this at the end. So Jamila, yeah, you, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to make, I have to disagree with you, Larry, on one comment. You said that in the previous intifadas that the nonviolent uh, resistance had been more effective than what's happening now. I think right now, unfortunately, violence is what gets everyone's attention, and the world is looking at Palestine now and supporting Palestine in an unprecedented way. Do the two of you get any criticism from your Jewish relatives about taking this stand, Larry For and Jamila? Fortunately, I don't. My family is strongly anti-Zionist. I don't talk to my family <laughs> about this. All right. And do you have family that are in Gaza right now? Um, no, Abdullah. I don't have any close family in Gaza. I have half of my family in the West Bank and the rest of the family on the east side of the Jordan River. And so how are things going in the West Bank while this is happening in Gaza? Since, since the beginning, since, September, since October the 7th, there has been almost 300 people killed in the West Bank, which has no Hamas in it. By military or yeah, by the by the Israeli by the Israeli forces, close to about three hundred. There is always um, about thirty three hundred people arrested. One of them is one of my cousins. The last time he got arrested on administrative administrative detention, he spent five years. Every six months they would renew his detention. He was released after five years with no charges, no courts. No, no crime, nothing. He wasn't charged with anything, and he's been arrested since since the last five five weeks ago. He's still there. He's, he's still, still in there. there. Yeah, he's still there. Uh, so this is this is this is exactly exactly what they do on the issue of, in the issue of of October the seventh. Uh, October the seventh was not the beginning of the story between what's happening in Palestine between the Palestinians and the Israelis. This is just like watching the last episode of a whole season, and you expect to understand everything from the last episode of the, of the whole season. You have to watch the whole season to know exactly what got you to the point of the last, the last episode 
that you're watching now. Yes, you have to understand what happened since 19, 1948 until now. Yeah, maybe even further back than that. It's definitely not a simple idea. I believe we have uh, Lisa on the line, and I'm going to test my psychic abilities and say that Lisa is from Solon. <laughs> good, good guess. Right, Lisa. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for letting Thanks me for call calling. in. Yeah, I appreciate the show. I'm, I'm uh, appreciating listening to the different points of view. I have a, uh, an announcement, actually, not a question, and that is that the, the main coalition for Palestine is calling an action this Friday, December the 8th, at General Dynamics Bath Iron Works in, uh, starting at 2. It will be a mass rally with speakers and chants, and its uh, purpose is to convey the message, stop arming genocide in Gaza, because uh, very few people are aware, probably, that the warships built in Bath, specific warships built in Bath, are currently supporting Israel's violence against Palestinians uh, by hovering in the vicinity and keeping others from coming to the uh, you know, support and aid of the Palestinians. Um, our purpose is also very much to communicate that we are, this is a pro-worker movement, uh, but anti-war, and, you know, calling for a transition away from building weapon systems and toward building useful things, like only imagine if hospital ships were aiding Gaza now, um, and that is the sort of thing that could be built um, there. But General Dynamics is the fourth largest weapons manufacturer on the globe, and uh, we are hoping that many people could will join us Friday in Bath to express that we don't agree with our tax dollars funding genocide. Uh, armed resistance to occupation is not genocide, but what's happening in Gaza clearly is, and uh, lots and lots of people just really can't stand by without raising their voices. So uh, thank you for letting me um, give my comment. Thanks for calling, Lisa. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Main Currents on WERU. This is a special live, <coughs> excuse me, and now call-in show. My guests today are Jamila Lavasser and Abdullah Alfdalat. I said it right again, yay. Mm -hmm. And Larry Danzinger. And uh, we have another caller on the line. I believe we have, let's see, is this the uh, anarchist formerly known as Analog? That's me. All right. Now you're the organic anarchist. Analog. No, oh, they wrote down organic uh, anarchist. Yeah, I thought you I know, changed your know, name. It's been a while. All right, so go ahead. You're on the air. Okay, I'm a displaced person. I in no, in no way uh, mean to equate the two uh, uh, situations, but displaced is displaced. It's all about the land. I have a Lenape name, which is Nendawan, George Bearer. Uh, I watched 17 villages and towns and 12,000 of my neighbors uh, evicted from the land, my ancestors 200 years before, the same thing in the same number of 12,000 people. Uh, this is all about the land. Where's the outrage? Where's the outrage? How did we, how did the settlers come to America? And how, what, this is occupied land as it is. Mm -hmm. That's where the, that's where the outrage is missing because this land was stolen. And that, in some cases, stolen twice. I have a, uh, a movie up on, a short uh, video up on uh, YouTube, if you just look, uh, um, Tox Island Goodbye, T-O-C-K-S. And there's links on there that tells uh, uh, the story of that uh, 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 government uh, uh, plan. What but is the name of the island? Is it, how do you T -O -C -K spell that? T-O-C-K-S. Okay. And there's links on there. But this is this is the age-old story. No, they didn't come with uh, with uh, jet planes and and uh, missiles, but they came with the pen, and they came with the bulldozers and shotguns. So yes, we know what displacement is. Good mm -hmm. show. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Did you want to weigh in on that, Abdullah? As someone who's married to a Penobscot person. <coughs> we are. I'm so happy for the, the response that, that we're receiving from the Native, Native American population here in the States uh, because they know exactly what we're going through. What they, went, what they went through and what we're going through right now is the same exact, same exact phenomena. Uh, and again, the loss of land uh, is not just as, as simple as, as uh, go find another place and where you can farm and raise a family. 
it's it's taken away what you where you belong to. Uh, that sense of belonging, a place that you call home, you always feel like you're a stranger. Uh, you don't belong into any other place because your home your home is not there. And uh, I've 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 seen this I've seen this in the talks of the Native Americans, and I've seen it throughout all my life growing up as a refugee in Jordan. It's exactly the same phenomenon. Let me give the phone number uh, one more time if you'd like to call in. I think both of the phone lines are open now. The number is area code 207-618-8819. I know you don't all have that number memorized like we used to have the old number because I don't have it memorized either. But I'll give it again more slowly in case you're uh, just grabbing something to write with. It's 207-618-8819. We're going to stop taking phone calls in about 15 minutes and give everybody a chance to have a last thought. So if you want to call, don't wait until the last minute to do that. I just wanted to follow up uh, uh, what you were were just saying. Um, Let me leave that aside. I think actually you wanted to, did you want to jump on here and say something else, Jamila? Did I tell you to hold off for a second on something? No, I, I wasn't, but what Abdullah said, it reminded me of what my grandmother said shortly before she died, she said, I've always been a displaced person. Mm. She was torn from her home in Prague, and my family came here to the United States. They were driven out in a different sense. And yeah, that feeling of, it's never, you've, you've lost your home. My grandmother was able to go back to Prague many years later, and I accompanied her there in 1980. And for the first time, I saw I saw the lightness in her. I saw her just, it was like this weight had come off her shoulders that she could come back to Mm. where she was. And of course, her family had all been destroyed. Her life there had been destroyed. But yeah, it's a very, very powerful thing to displace people. Mm. That reminds me of what I was going to follow up with, which is uh, I... I've never been to Gaza, so I looked. I looked up what the landmass was because my impression was that it was small. Uh, it's about twenty-five miles long and about six miles wide, if I remember correctly, and two million people there. So when they say, you know, just clear out of this area, where do people go? Can they just easily cross into Jordan? And then what happens? Is do they then they become refugees in Jordan, or what are the logistics of you know? They're like, why don't they get out there? Hiding the military in the hospitals is another thing that, you know, we've heard things like that in other wars before. What are the logistics of what this looks like on the ground if you're, you know, at home in the Israelis say, we're going to bomb your neighborhood tomorrow. Uh, you need to just go somewhere else. Do people have cars? Are they able to just quickly pack up and go somewhere? Well, you can imagine 2005, the Israeli government pulled out of Gaza. 2006, they had an election. According to uh, Hillary Clinton, the wrong people won, (laughs) which presented Hamas. And in 2006, they, they enforced a complete blockade on Gaza. So Gaza now is north of Gaza is Israel. East of Gaza is Israel. West of Gaza is the Mediterranean. South of Gaza is the Sinai Desert, which is not heavily populated place because it's a desert. There is no nothing nothing to 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 to, to live on in in, in, a, in a in a piece in a piece of land like that. So they have a complete blockade on the Gazans since 2006. That's 17 years. Nothing is allowed to go in without the permission of the Israeli government. Their electricity is controlled by the Israeli government. Their health supply is controlled by the Israeli government. Their water is controlled by the Israeli government. Now, you want to push these people who have been at the poverty line or even below the poverty line for the last 16 years, 17 years, you want to push them into the Sinai Desert to start their lives anew. There is no other place for them to go. They initially, at the beginning, they were promoting the idea, let the Egyptians have them. Let the Egyptians have half a mi- one and a half million of the Gazans. We will ship the other half a million to Jordan. 
and then we will distribute the other 200, 300,000 people on, on the rest of the countries of the world. Saudi Arabia will take some, the Gulf states will take some, maybe America will take some. And nobody wanted any part of that. Including the people that were being discussed as if they were just objects exactly. that could be moved from one place to another, I assume. Exactly, exactly the point, that these people have no choice in what's going to happen to them, as if they don't, as if they don't matter. They're just cattle. They're not human beings. You're not treating them as human beings, unfortunately. So the Egyptians, the Egyptians refused. The Jordanians refused, and the Saudis refused. And that's where we are right now. So they are trying, instead of asking the Egyptians to take them in, they're trying to force them into that area by bombing to the ground north and south of Gaza. And I hope, I hope, I hope for, for, for their 2.3 million people's sake that these plans don't work out because there is no place for them to go. These people have been desperate for the last 20 years or so. They just need a break. They need to start their lives again. They need the blockade to end. They need to have their say in what they want for their future and their kids' future. Uh, one of the ironies of this whole situation is that the treatment of Palestinians by Israel is being compared to the treatment of Jews by the Nazis. It's a very sad situation. And um, I, hope it, <laughs> I hope it ends. Let's talk about the media messaging a little bit. And for those of you who may just be tuning in, you're listening to Maine Current's call-in special on WERU. We'll be taking calls for uh, another 10 minutes or so. So if you have something that you'd like to add, if you want to weigh in with your opinion or ask a question, call area code 207 618 so the media I, I, is another, uh, the coverage of when this started is another area where sort of deja vu, like the occupation of the senator's offices. This, this reminds me of uh, the wards that I've been alive for in the past in terms of like how there's a strong messaging, at least at the beginning. We were seeing pictures of the people who were kidnapped, obviously, because people could get pictures of them on the air and hearing their stories. I've yet to see a single one, just as I'm flipping back and through, forth through mainstream media trying to see how they're covering it, that has highlighted what has happened to any Palestinian children. It's, a, it's been very, very one-sided coverage in that regard. Uh, other than that, how do you think the mainstream media are doing? And, and are there better media outlets or sources mm -hmm. that you use to get correct information from people who are actually over there on the ground and aren't just repeating the message that they've been told. I've got a, a couple of news sources I've been going to. One is mondovice.net. Uh, they're coming out of, I think it's the Detroit area where there's a large Palestinian population and they've got some, uh, some great coverage. They have daily and weekly updates as well as some other things. I also go to electronicintifada.net, which does some excellent podcasts and has some great articles. And I also go to Al Jazeera, which is a, a very refreshing, different look at the world from a perspective other than Eurocentric and American perspective. It's, it, and that's where, you know, I've seen, I've seen footage of these Palestinian kids who've been released from the prisons at 3 o'clock in the morning, I should say, and while they're being surrounded by Israeli military and told not to talk to the press. They are talking to the press. They're talking to the Arab press that is not afraid to come out and listen to what they've got to say. And those kids are right on. They're, they're saying things like what it is. And they're, they're so concerned about what's happening to the ones left behind in the prisons. And they're so concerned about what's happening to their people in Gaza and the West Bank. So they're not afraid to talk despite all the time they've been locked up in administrative detention with no charges. We'll get back to the media question in just a minute, but we do have a phone call. Alan from Charleston's joining us now on Main Currents. Go ahead, Alan. You're on the air. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. You're loud and clear. Sure. Uh, yeah, this is Alan Clements calling. Um, uh, I'm a WERU member and volunteer. 
Um, I wanted to report on my interaction with Jared Golden's office, Representative Golden's office, um, just kind of report on it. I um, I contact, I called twice. First time I spoke to a, a real person and uh, very polite. They, she listened very nicely. And uh, then I called a couple of weeks later, which is now a little over two weeks ago, uh, and I got a a answering machine and I left a detailed message and I asked explicitly to for a response about why uh, the actions and conduct of the Israeli Defense Forces are not war crimes or are not uh, genocide. You know, what is your reason for uh, you know, proceeding that the, and, and understanding that they're not on, on Jared Golden's part? So anyway, uh, last week I got a response, emailed, and uh, he doesn't talk about the current conflict. He, he, he references at the beginning, is thank you for your call about the, uh, the Israeli-Palestine conflict, but then he says absolutely nothing about what's going on. Uh, and, you know, anything since October 7th. He, he, he digs back in the past and talks about something in 2020 and uh, something on East Jerusalem, and it's just a bizarre letter. Bizarre. Mm -hmm. So it's intentional, and I, I want to just say, you know, to me, in my opinion, my analysis, this is complicity in war crimes. This is a part of a denial system, and and it's it's just denial of, of horrific crimes. So I just want to say that. I want to report to everybody that's that's our Representative Golden in action. Um, but I, I also, you know, I've been involved in this issue a little bit. I've gone to some demonstrations and, and tried to make myself aware of what's going on. And, and I'm very uh, adamant about the, the application of international law, about uh, war crimes law, genocide law, and treaty, which the United States is involved with. We're engaged, I'm not sure of every detail, but... So I was in touch with the Center, Center for Constitutional Rights um, about... I asked them, this is before they actually issued a paper, um, but anyway, you know, what is... The, the legal background. What what's the what's the law? And so I just I, I've got that. I've, I've uh, it's available from the Center for Constitutional Rights, available to anybody. Uh, but I'll just wrap up. I just want to say that uh, we, myself, as an activist and, and friends, you know, we are not unsophisticated people when it comes to international law, and our our congressional delegation needs to be on notice that we will hold them to international law. And I just want to be very clear about that, that uh, it's, they don't have a free pass. And, and I encourage everybody to, to kind of entertain that thought and, and, and think what you should do, you know, that, about uh, contacting the congressional delegation. And going forward, when it comes to funding, when it comes to like a law that was mentioned before, proposal, uh, hold them, hold their feet to the fire. Thanks for your That's call, Alan. Here. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Jamila, you wanted to weigh in on that. Let me just let listeners know you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM, and that we might have time to take one more call at 618-8819, but we're going to cut calls off fairly soon, so call right now if you want to get through. Jamila. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Alan. I got the same boilerplate letter uh, after we had occupied Golden's office, uh, you know, a letter that had nothing that was written well before October 7th. So it was uh, rather baffling. Well, the letters from uh, Olympia Snow and Susan Collins back in like 2003-ish didn't hold up very well. I still have some of them. So maybe he's aware of that. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? And we were talking about media, too, also, before we took the call. Uh, any of your thoughts about how the media coverage has been, both the mainstream and any alternatives that might be better? Um, quick comment. Um, Alan is Alan's talking about looking at the situation from a human rights perspective, and I think that's really valuable, and that's why we're doing readings of, of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which conveniently is... Uh, celebrating its 75th anniversary of that declaration on Sunday and Monday in Bangor. Where can people find out more about that, like the exact details and the um, time and all of that? Is that up on anywhere online? Well, <laughs> 
So not really, uh, but qu- very quickly. Uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. at Pierce Park in downtown Bangor. Monday, beginning 11:30, and the reading at 12 noon, uh, also in Pierce Park downtown. And then moving over to congressional offices around 12:30 to 1, and reading the Universal Declaration again in those locations. Will you get that information to me, and I'll put that on the uh, show notes with the archives of today's program, so when it gets posted, because somebody's driving along hearing that, that's a lot to retain, yeah. to remember. So anything else about media? Abdullah, did you want to weigh in on the media coverage? Just a quick thing. On the media, just to show how the media is, is biased in its coverage, that there's actually, on social media, they would go and present, for example, oh, my God, did you see what happened on the show of so-and-so? Or did you see Did you see what happened on CNN? Or did you see what happened on MSNBC or BBC? Did you see what the guy said to the to the person who was interviewing him on BBC. It's just to show you that for out of 24 hours day news cycle, for 20 seconds, there was something positive on the Palestinian side presenting, presenting the Palestinian side point of view. And it goes viral on social media. And the proof, in that, of, proof of that is, if you look at the support for the Biden administration's policy in what's happening right now in Palestine. If you go to the ages of 50 and above, the Biden administration has a plus of the positive, positive opinion of what they are doing. But if you go to the, po- to, the, to, the, to, the, to the population of age 20 to 40, you'd notice that they're about 20 to 80 percent against what the Biden administration is presenting to them. How do they get this information? It's not by listening to the standard old-fashioned media outlets because those, those, those outlets are completely biased when it comes to the coverage. They all have the same narrative that they keep repeating. But if, they, if you go to different sources of information, and there is plenty of different sources of information, you will find out what exactly is happening. And that's why there is, there is feverish attempts to try to regulate these social medias because it hurts the old old guards of the or, or the media outlets you need if you need a voice if you need a voice you you go and find it you look around it's not just what they present on a one two three four stations there is a lot of sources of information out there on the internet Todd from Surrey, you are our last caller for the day. If you have a quick call, and then we'll uh, wrap things up here on around town, around town on main currents. Forgot what show and what time of day I was here. Todd, are you still there? Yes. Welcome. Yes, I am. Thanks. Hi. I want to uh, extend a, a a hearty hello to Abdullah, a new friend, um, and uh, hello to Larry. Uh, I'm a, a, a Jew, an American Jew, and uh, I, I just want to. Uh, point out that we all have so much more in common than our differences, uh, and this this was highlighted to me when I had uh, when I met with Abdullah last, and we uh, I, I just uh, my my the the occupation is wrongheaded, it, it's oppressive and uh, counterproductive, uh, but at the same time I want to highlight that there are uh, Arabs and and Israelis working together. To, to uh, create a new vision for the future. Uh, one of them is called Standing Together. Another is uh, Combatants for Peace. And a third one is the uh, Family uh, Circle, uh, Parents Family Circle. And these, these are people that have suffered losses in their, in their families or were former fighters, former soldiers uh, that are now working together. So I think there's uh, the majority of Israelis and Palestinians, and I think Americans, want peace. It's the they're extremists on both sides. The, the Israeli Netanyahu and the Israeli extremists, uh, and, and I think Hamas also. Uh, we we need to uh, gather together and uh, sideline the extremists on both sides and and work towards peace together. 
but thank you. Thank you for your call. And Todd, if you will email the names of those groups to news at weru.org, I'll find the links and put those on the show notes for today's program too. Great. Thank you. So we just have uh, like four minutes to wrap up and why don't we start with Jamila and go around the table with any of your last thoughts that you have as we close today. Thanks, Amy. I think the most important thing we can do right now is to keep talking about Palestine. This is, a, this is about all our humanity, maintaining our humanity. And even at times when it feels like we're not getting anywhere, elected officials aren't listening to us or whatever, it's still about maintaining our humanity and doing the right thing and standing up for people who are oppressed. Um, I advi I'd invite everyone to keep calling repeatedly and visiting your elected officials if you can. You don't need to leave the office unless you feel so inclined. Um, and to connect with the various groups around, which includes Bangor for Palestine, the Maine Coalition for Palestine, and the Maine Voices for Palestinian Rights, among others. There's also Jewish Voice for Peace, and If Not Now, are uh, two Jewish organizations that are supporting Palestine. Uh, join us for weekly protests, as Larry mentioned, and Join with the BDS movement. You can get on that on bdsmovement.net. And that's really important to boycott, sanction, and divest from Israel. Thank you, Thanks. Jamila. We have three minutes left, so you each get a minute and a half. Larry, you go, you go next. We'll let Abdullah have the last word. Okay. Um, I think what I emphasized a little bit is the lack of security and safety that both Palestinians and Jews in Israel are dealing with right now. And uh, the current uh, Israeli government is not leading towards safety and security. It's leading us away from that. So uh, emphasize that if you can. And again, talk to the people in the U.S. government. They're sending weapons there right now. They're talking about $14 billion that would, uh, again, push us in the wrong direction. All right. Abdullah, you get the last word. Boy, am I glad that I didn't have to answer the question, do you condemn what Hamas did on October the 7th? Uh, uh, there is a lot okay, of people. Okay, now I have to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> do you? <laughs> uh, there is a lot of people who say that if I was at the time the Holocaust was happening, I would be the first one in line to stand up and say this is wrong. Well, this is the time for you to stand up and say it's, who, what's happening is wrong. And if you wonder why it happened for so many years and nobody said anything, just look in the mirror. You'd see the reason why. If you don't stand up, no one else is going to stand up. You can't say we're going to wait for other people to stand up and then I'm going to stand up with them. You have to lead the way to stand up on the right side of history. Otherwise, you're going to be just like the people who stood up on the wrong side of history. Well, thank you very much, all three of you, for talking with us today. really appreciate it. Apologize to the listeners for the uh, phone problems early on, but thank you to everybody who did make it through either by phone or by email. And I appreciate your time that you all were in here talking about this. Uh, we'll put up as many resources as we can in the show notes with today's program. If you want to follow up on any uh, of Jamila's links, I'll get those from her as well. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. Today, we are back in our old-time slot on the first Tuesday of the month, but we are, if you heard this, heard Maine Currents last month, we're becoming a roving show, so we'll be popping up here and there uh, wherever, uh, wherever needed, so we're not in a regular schedule anymore. You can reach me at news at weru.org if you have suggestions or comments to make. Thanks to Pepe Middlehauser, Matt Murphy, and John Greenman. We're all helping engineer today. Uh, let's see. And that's it. So for Maine Currents, I'm Amy Brown. Thanks for listening. And keep it tuned here to your community radio station, WERU-FM. oldest and most frustrated Republican supporter and author of several books, including A Way Happens, available in any of